0: If your child is involved in sports, this episode is for you. We encourage our children to get involved in sports for many reasons, have fun, meet friends, get exercise and learn valuable skills like teamwork, perseverance and sportsmanship. Unfortunately, there is also an epidemic of abuse in our athletic programs, not just at the Olympic and college level, but in our middle and high schools too. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Amy Zaltzman, a physician, mindfulness teacher, former Stanford gymnast, and an abuse survivor. We're gonna talk about how to protect our children from abusive coaches. Dr. Saltzman developed the award-winning prevention program, how to spot a spider and is passionate about establishing comprehensive national policies to end abuse of children in sports and other community programs. Welcome Dr. Saltzman. I'm so thrilled that you could join us today.
1: I'm thrilled that I can be here. And I want to say that for parents who don't have kids in sports, this applies equally. If you have kids in school or music programs or theater programs or scouts or your kids attend a religious organization, this information applies to you as well.
0: I am thankful that you said that because it absolutely is. I think sports gets more of the focus on that, but you're absolutely right. This happens across the board. So before we even dig in, please give us a little bit of backstory on your story um, and what got you so passionate about helping kids.
1: My story is a little bit unusual. As you said, I was a gymnast uh, through college And um, I was not actually abused in my sport. Uh, My abuse came later in life, and I was abused, uh, emotionally abused by a life coach for 31 years. And in August of 2020, uh, a neuropsychologist determined that it was a relationship of undue influence. So There was a huge amount of devastation from learning that someone that I had loved and trusted, or at least the illusion of someone I had loved and trusted had abused me and others and loved ones. And part of my healing was to begin to write about my own experience and as a gymnast, When I was looking at what are the patterns that abusers use, the overlap between the emotional abuse that I experienced and the grooming that many athletes or just victims of abuse experience became really clear. And this felt like sports is my home. It's my first language. And it felt like a really useful place to address this and make the patterns visible to children, teens, young adults, parents, coaches, so that we all know what we're looking for.
0: Yeah, I agree. And tell us a little bit, like, why is this such a growing problem?
1: I don't know that it's a growing problem. I think that our awareness of the problem is growing. Okay. And um, I think that our awareness is growing because courageous survivors are speaking out and sharing their stories. And we do have the advantage now of social media. So when a prominent athletic figure tells their story, It does get carried. And even even in small towns or small communities, I do think that the media, when they're doing their job, is um, starting to understand the phenomena and reporting it more accurately. And that that's helping change people's perceptions, helping us change law and policy. So I do think things are looking up in some ways.
0: Why has this type of abuse, and I know we focus even, you focus a lot on the emotional part of it to get there, and we'll dig in that a little bit more, but how has this lasted so long? Why is this so
1: prevalent? I think that we tend to confuse passionate intensity, a coach with passionate intensity. That's helpful. That helps athletes develop But we confuse abuse with passionate intensity, especially if a coach is winning. And we have for decades and decades let coaches get away with things that we would never let a school teacher do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, right. One of the ways to determine if a a coach's behavior is abusive is to consider if a teacher did this in, cl- in a classroom, would we think it's okay?
0: And what are some of the ways that we're seeing this type of abuse play out?
1: Well, I think um, the most obvious and well-known is, of course, the gymnasts. Yeah. Um, so, And when you look at that, that situation was a combination of Um, Bella and Marta Caroli being abusive so the girls felt beat down and then Nasser was able to come in and groom them or do covert emotionally abuse and basically trick them into thinking that he was being their friend and being supportive and they started to trust them. And then they got to a point where he, it's like, he's helping me. He's trusting me. He gives me something to eat when I'm hungry. And the karolis say, I can't eat. And then he does something inappropriate. And they're like, it's very confusing. It's like, well, but that can't be wrong because he's helping me. And he's been nice to me. And uh i must i must just be confused and so um you know there's that example but in the lat in the last week there was an article in the guardian about a coach in toledo ohio abusing his assistant coaches um there was another article from the midwest about a hockey coach who's abusing young kids I mean, it is unfortunately everywhere. And so I do feel like we need to teach our kids and our teens how to recognize it. And the analogy I use is um, when your kids were young and they were ready to go out in the world, you st- taught them how to cross the street. You know, you stop at the stop si- light or the stop sign. You look both ways. You taught them what erratic drivers were. And we need to be doing the same with our kids in terms of their relationship with adults. There are also other things that we need. Coaches, teachers, music teachers need the equivalent of driver's ed. They need to be trained to be safe coaches. And then as a society, we need to do better about enforcing our rules of the road for people who are working with young people and um, making sure that when the rules are broken, um, there are consequences.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of to unpack there. Um, let's start by how can parents, what signs should parents look for in their kids that they may be being abused emotionally? And we were calling it kind of the grooming and things like that, because I know parents have told me that Their kids don't tell them anything, but they find out from their kids' teammates what's going on. So how, what do we look for? How do we even know?
1: Well, I want to back up even one step further and say that first we need to teach kids what to look for and how to talk about it, because then you increase the likelihood that your child is going to come and say, mom or dad, something's off. And so- it's a little bit complicated and more than we can cover in this amount of time, which is why I made my video, How to Spot a Sneaky Spider and How to Spot an Obvious Spider. But the intention of making those videos was to describe the patterns. And we're, let's stick with just the covert emotional abuse or the grooming for a minute. But to describe the patterns that a spider coach weaves to tangle someone in their web. So we already talked about one, like the love bombing, the befriending, the being super charming. That's one pattern. There are seven. I want to give one more because um, it might be the one that's the most obvious at home. So the other one is that the coach really plays on the athlete's hopes and fears. So there's this idea, if you stick with me, I will make you your best. If you stick with me, I will um, help you achieve your dreams. But then there's also the reverse. If you leave, if you don't do what I say, if you tell somebody, you will never achieve your dreams. You, you know, so the idea is you need me to Mm -hmm. succeed. And once someone has that sense, It's very hard to speak up, to say no, to tell someone what's going on. And there are five more patterns that we can talk about if we have time. But I think what people want to be doing is they want to be teaching kids these patterns and they're subtle. That's why I called it how to spot a spider, because each pattern is made of these tiny, tiny threads. And each thread in and of itself, seems okay it's not till you turn and the light changes and all of a sudden you're like oh there's a whole web of behavior here that's having me feel small and trapped and afraid and unsure and so I would say now answering your question if your kid is not having fun if your kid is feeling afraid if your kid you know says um you know like i'm nervous or i'm sick to my stomach um doesn't want to go to practice those types of things are things that you want to pay attention to conversely if your coach is offering your kid little presents that they're not offering someone else if they're offering your child Individual sessions, especially if those sessions are after hours. It's one thing if a coach offers an individual session. I'm going to use gymnastics language, but in the gym where lots of people are training and they're visible and et cetera, if your coach is offering your child a ride home, um, all of those things should be concerning.
0: Yeah, anything that seems to overstep the line of a professional relationship. Right. Right. If you're,
1: and it's really tough, right? Because for some kids, the coach is their stable, reliable adult, and they depend on that being professional and caring. And it can look like a friendship, but I would say if your coach is trying to be a friend rather than a coach, that's a warning sign.
0: Okay. And that's what makes this really hard is that. So many of the things that you're listing actually sound like positives, right? Wow, my child's getting all this attention. They must be really good. The child probably feels really honored and good. And so that I think right there makes it really
1: difficult. Right. And a a professional that I know who actually works um, more in the field of cults talks about the prison of specialness. And you you said that you had read an article that I had written and it's called Ending Cycles of Abuse in Sports and Society and it's up on my webpage. But um, one of the things about feeling special is then we feel like we can't leave. Like I'd be crazy to leave this amazing coach. I'm so lucky to be in this program. I can't leave or my athletic prospects are doomed um that's that's a warning sign for sure
0: so if we see some of these signs or our child is trying to avoid I mean I think the more obvious ones is and that I've heard too is just coaches being abusive and saying nasty stuff right and and just really beating kids down and being abusive that way which seems very obvious but even that coaches seem to get why do coaches get away with that? Or parents on the sidelines shouting nasty? Like, why do we allow that?
1: Um, I don't have a good answer because I don't think it should be allowed. And I think historically, we have allowed behavior in sports in the name of toughness, in the name of winning <laughs> that we don't allow anywhere else. This goes back to the school teacher comment. If you're, if it would not be okay for your school teacher, your child's classroom teacher to yell at them the way your coach is yelling at them, that's abuse.
0: I want to bring that. I want to dive in one more, a little bit more into that because that toughness is something I hear a lot, right? Like they got to toughen up. And if we don't do that, they're going to be, they're not going to be able to succeed or they're going to be wussy or they're going to, whatever it is, so There is a really deeply embedded belief that we do need to toughen our kids up that way.
1: Right. And I do, I do also understand from the coach's side. First of all, I want to say, I don't think all or even most coaches are abusive. It's a handful of people, but you, those handful of people can cause true harm to your children. So you want to be paying attention, but I do think there's a way where, as a society, we've you know we've also got this issue of like a trophy for everyone and everyone wins, and that's just not um, rigorous competition. So going back to this thing, I can't remember if I said it before we were on or during this mm-hmm. conversation, but passionate intensity, a coach asking you to push harder a coach asking you to do your best, a coach asking you to do more sprints or more core work or do another beam routine um, so that you improve, that's coaching. A coach berating you, a coach asking you to train when you're sick or injured, a coach Pushing you to the point where you hurt your body, a coach asking you to be so thin that you're not healthy, all of that is abusive. And that comes in the obvious spider video. um, Because it is obvious, there are clear behaviors. It's not so subtle, it's easier to recognize, but we need to be clear that it's abusive and clear that it's not okay.
0: Right. Okay. So now we know. And I mean, and I told you before this, too, that I know people who have found out that their children's situation is abusive, but they don't know what to do because no one's listening to them. What do we do?
1: I think, I mean, you take you take the logical first steps, which it sounds like these people have. You, It's probably not talk to the coach because that's, they don't, in general, Abusive coaches are, lack insight and may actually be what's called a traumatizing narcissist. Mm. Um, So talking directly to the coach is probably going to be both unsuccessful and make the coach angry and have your kid have a worse time. So that's probably not the way to go. Talking to the club director, talking to the athletic director at your school, And then going up the food chain um, should be helpful. It is shocking to me how often it's not. Mm -hmm. And at some point, the healthiest thing may be to pull your kid to find another program, to find another sport. For some kids, it's to find another activity altogether. Um, But also one of the pieces of my program is I want to be making sure that, um, you know, first you want to protect your kid, yeah. but then we want to make sure that these coaches aren't coaching and that not just that they're not coaching at your club or in your town, but they don't move to the town next door. And that means that we need to be speaking up. We need to be reporting to Safe Sport, which has its own issues, which I'm not going to cover today, Um, we need to be talking to the media. Um, We need to be telling our friends and neighbors. Um, You know, we need to be telling other team and club members so that um, the coach is exposed. Because what happens so often is that the coach um, is let go, quote unquote, and The next team or the next club doesn't ask the correct questions and just thinks this is a winning coach that left for differences of opinion or whatever the, you know, cliche is used and they go on to coach somewhere else. And so as a society, and this is covered both in my policies and procedures and my codes of ethics. And the article that I mentioned that are all on my website. But we need to be teaching clubs how to hire coaches and screen for potential abusers. Probably not going to catch everybody, but we can catch a lot. What to do when you find out a coach in your club is being abusive, and how to let them go. We need to be disclosing the reasons for letting them go. We need to be reporting to the databases of Safe sport, we need to be reporting to sex offender databases. And my own feeling is that we need equivalent registries for emotional and physical abuse, just like we have registries for sexual abuse, because the data shows that emotional abuse, especially covert emotional abuse, is as harmful or more harmful than physical abuse. And I think it's the reason for that is because it's covert. So, like, it not that being physically or sexually abused is, you know, unharmful. It's extremely harmful, but there is, there's not this questioning of your reality. Whereas the emotional abuse, it's like, well, was it abuse? Was it just me? Am I a wimp? Like, and so, but the penalties, the statute of limitations, The databases for those types of abuse should be the same as for sexual abuse.
0: Yeah, I think calling attention to the impact that that has is really essential. And you're right. I think it's something that even not just the student, but the parents can kind of because the coaches or whoever it is that's doing the covert emotional abuse are so good at it that they do have you questioning which way's up. Right. And so that's a struggle. All right.
1: So how do people find you? So they find me at www.spotaspider.com. And I want to say there's the videos which are made to educate the kids and the teens and for you to all to have the language. Just so people are fully aware, um, the obvious spider video does have anatomically correct language. And the reason for that is because there's data to show that people who can use anatomically correct language are much less likely to be sexually abused. Um, Parents in the discussion questions have the option of choosing an anatomically correct nude image or a G-rated bathing suit image, depending on their comfort um there's all the resources for hiring for athlete surveys for codes of ethics policies and procedures and i want coaches cuz i'm sure you have some parents who are coaches or who want to interact with their coaches there's also a fundraising component to the program so 20% of every video purchased goes back to your club or your team and so um It's better than a bake sale or a car wash. And um, yeah, and if people want individual support, that's where they would reach me as well. Okay, any final words of
0: encouragement for parents of teenagers?
1: Yeah, I would say that if, if you're reluctant to talk about this, because it feels hard or difficult just imagine how hard or difficult the conversation will be if your child experiences abuse like as awkward as this may be and I've made it as um comfortable and easy and simple and approachable as possible um this conversation is way better than some other conversations you might have yeah it's
0: extremely important whether you think this is happening or not it's extremely important to have this conversation
1: right and then your kids can know and the only thing you want from your kids is for them to say hmm that reminds me of something Dr. Amy says and it feels off and I want to talk to someone about it that's all you need that's great well, thank you so much, Dr. Seltzman or
0: Dr. Amy. I'm so grateful you could join us today.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And thank you, parents, for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you. If you want to learn more about how to help your teens thrive, you can grab my top 10 parenting tips at AskDrCam slash parenting tips. And I will also have all the links that Dr. Amy discussed in the show notes. So You can get those as well. Until next time. Have a peaceful, positive, calm day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, If you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. And hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode and remember parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.